The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Big shout out to New Day, N E U D A E, at New Day Music on Twitter. Thank you for letting us use the song Lion Kings as our intro this season. James, getting late in August now, looking ahead to September call ups and your latest Farm Futures piece. We're also going to be moving on to the number six spot on our hip hop album countdowns, the top 10 albums of all time according to you and I, James, and I was actually a little bit, not recently, but when I was making the list, uh, this was kind of a tough spot, especially for me, <clears throat> but I think, I think I'm happy with my choice. We'll see how, how, see how these hold up, but I don't think you can really go wrong with our selections to this point, outside of maybe that Zero album, but you really went in deep and, and compiled a thorough list of, of potential September call-ups here. But before we get into all of these names, let's talk about the guys who didn't make the list because I noticed right away, right when you posted this, there were comments about Ron Acuna. Not on the list. Again, just doesn't make sense for this organization. Anybody else that was kind of borderline for you, maybe like a Greg Allen? No. Uh, well, I guess two guys that I had. Uh, well, okay, there's two different types of players that I ended up kind of cutting out. Uh, Acuna, obviously you know, I, I tweeted about this earlier in the week. Like he's, I get the excitement. Everyone's, you know, super hyped on Acuna. It's all deserved. I think he's going to be a superstar, but him being this good is all the more reason for the Braves not to call him up this year. He's going to be your classic, uh, kind of Chris Bryant type of guy where we all know the date that he's getting the call next year. It's just a matter of getting that extra year control. Uh, there were two different types of guys that I am kind of cutting. There were the, you know, I, I included some starting pitchers that aren't that great at all, but I left off, you know, another handful of other kind of mediocre starting pitchers, like guys like a uh, Daniel Gossett, Eric Scogland, uh, those types of guys where 
yeah, they're probably going to get the call. They might get some starts. They're probably going to be net negatives from a fantasy perspective. I mean, there's there's a handful of those guys out there if you're if you're looking for number five starter types. Uh, and then there's guys like Jake Bowers with the Rays and Chance Cisco with the Orioles, guys that have to be added to their team's 40-man roster during the offseason. But I just didn't really see any way that even if those guys did get called up, any way that they would get any kind of regular playing time. And there just wasn't a ton to say about those guys. I mean, they're they're going to be 2018 guys, but just not really any way for them to contribute down the stretch. Acuna, yeah. I'm still in the bad habit of calling him Acuna, but I know it is indeed Acuna. By the way, you, man, after narrowly missing on your call-up pick, you did hit on Ryan McMahon again last week. That was very nice. Of course, you're probably done seeing most prospects called up until September, unless it's like a Steven Gonsalves or somebody like that, but pretty impressive run you've had this season. I think we may need to make that an, a regular thing next year. Yeah, maybe I'll even start prepping for it. I every time maybe it actually helps that you just put me on the spot and I don't have time to like overthink it, but uh yeah, I don't Pretty I don't impressive. I don't know if I'll be able to come close to duplicating this next year, but we'll, well, we'll see. Maybe we'll hold off until like, you know, June or something and then we get started up, keep track of your of your seasonal record maybe. Yeah, once we is, sort of once we once we think that the super 2 date is probably passed that's when it's a lot easier to kind of hit these on a week-to-week yeah. basis it's it's a lot tougher uh when we are pretty sure that the super two deadline has not passed so getting to your farm futures piece but again on somebody who's not mentioned here but did get called up since we last talked jorge alfaro at the catcher position look i, I know cameron rupp has really been pretty bad behind the plate i think it makes a lot of sense to to give alfaro quite a bit of playing time but does the swing and miss just completely deter you in season long leagues? Yeah, I know. I you know I I was making fun of someone adding him in our stake league uh, this past week, and of course he goes out and, and hits a bomb, uh, and he's you know he's hitting three seventy five right now through four games. He's just it's not going to be good the rest of the way. It's going to be I I'd take the under on a two thirty average the rest of the way. Uh, I just he's just not ready for big league pitching I get it he's you know he's on the 40 man he you know him and Andrew Knapp are probably your guys that you're looking at long term if you're the Phillies as as your potential options behind the plate so no real harm in getting Alfaro some work you know get him familiar with some of the the starting pitchers you have but he's just going to be he's he's going to be a net negative the rest of the way in fantasy so if you are excited about what he's done so far through four games, I would strongly recommend to try to find a better option. So the two catchers you mentioned here in your article is potential call-ups in September. Mitch Garver of the Twins, Kevin Ploiecki of the Mets. Deep two-catcher leagues, which of these two guys do you lean slightly toward? Garver, just because he's had a really impressive offensive year at AAA and you know, we've, we've seen Plocky come up and struggle in the big leagues, whereas we haven't seen that from Garver. So at least you, you can dream a little bit on him being able to carry over what he's done this year at AAA. Uh, neither of those guys have, you know, a, a, a stud number one catcher in front of them. I know the Twins are committed to Jason Castro. The Mets are, you know, they're committed to Travis Darno, but I mean, he's been terrible this year. Plowiecki's at least had a really, really nice year, albeit at Las Vegas and in the PCL. But, you know, he's he's a guy that gets good marks for his defense. Uh, I, I think that both could end up seeing two or three starts a week down the stretch. The Twins, the, the fact that they're competing a little bit, I guess, is maybe uh, complicates things a little bit just because Garver's not familiar with the, the pitching staff there. So maybe it is a stretch to consider him as a guy that's going to get significant playing time, but just... His production, it's hard to overlook. So if I had to, if I had to choose one of those guys, it'd be Garver. But I would, I would say both are just definite two catcher type of guys. It's not, not somebody you should go out there and add. And even like a team where, I mean, it, 30, 30 catchers probably have to be getting started for either of these guys to become relevant. Yeah, interesting. Well, moving on to first base and DH, which you kind of lumped together here. Um, you know, there's some pretty obvious names, guys that'll definitely be up. You got your right, uh, Daniel Vogelbach. 
uh, Vogelbach, Vogelbach, uh, AJ Reed, Kenny's Vargas, but Ronald Guzman is, is interesting. I think he will be up, but I think the big question is how much playing time do you see him getting? Because Mike Napoli, yeah, he's a free agent after this year. This team, I guess, technically still in the hunt, but I don't expect them to be competitive when it's all said and done. So do you think they give Guzman a long look? I think they should. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to approach this because, you know, I mean, Guzman's been on the 40 man all year. Mike Napoli has been terrible all year. So, you know, I guess if they were going to be giving Guzman these everyday at bats, you could argue like, why weren't they doing it already? Uh, but with rosters expanding, he'll be up there. There's just no reason to continue giving Napoli playing time when you have these young players like Joey Gallo and Ronald Guzman who could who could definitely benefit from every day at bat. So it makes sense for Guzman to play at least four or five days a week. So I, I think that's where I would lean, but it, you just you never know with, with this type of thing. Renato Nunez also mentioned he's had a big power year this season at Nashville. 31 homers, 25 doubles pretty impressive but you look at that Oakland roster and even though they're in the midst of a rebuild you'd think they'd like to get them a lot of opportunities you got those corner spots filled up with Matt Olson Matt Chapman playing pretty well since their call up Ryan Healy you know not great on base numbers or average but hitting for quite a bit of power probably deserves pretty regular reps so where exactly does Renato Nunez fit in I think he probably gets stuck in some sort of short side of a you know, maybe a short side of a DH type of platoon. Uh, I mean, he mashes lefties. I think that that's, that's his carrying skill that, that could keep him in the big leagues. I don't see him as an everyday player. You know, he just, he doesn't bring really much defensively. And I just, I, I don't see the, the on base skills being there as, as an everyday guy, but if he's just playing against lefties, I think he maybe hits enough power to make it, make it all work. So I, the power is intriguing. I just I don't see him playing more than once or twice a week. Yeah, I, I just want to say again, this is a very thorough list. You did great work here. How many words did you say it was? Like 4,500 words. Uh, great thing to read to, to prep for, for September, but also just bookmark this because over the next several fab periods, I think this will be good to come back to and just see, you know, is there anybody I missed? Maybe somebody who's you know, really turned it on over the past couple of weeks. It might be worth an ad. So just go ahead and do that. Great, great stuff. Roadwire.com slash pod. If you don't have a and it, subscription. Well, and I, I made this article free actually too. So this, oh, nice. this one's, uh, this one's available. Even if you don't have a subscription, um, you know, we, we don't do that with most articles. I, I mean, maybe once or twice a year, I'll probably do that with the, the first, divisional prospect breakdowns come february or january but uh just to kind of give you a taste of what what you could get with a subscription but yeah this one is free so definitely come check it out if you haven't uh, gotten a chance to actually read any of our any of our stuff before yeah absolutely i forgot that you did that that's a good call um anybody else you know i mentioned some of those other names aj reed Kenneth vargas uh vogelbach tyler austin on here as well anybody there that you may be interested in, in in 15 team mixed leagues. I know, you know, Vargas has shown some power, but otherwise kind of lukewarm myself. No, I mean, honestly, I would, I doubt any of these guys are going to really move the needle. It's just, they're all fairly big names, either, either big names or they've done, uh, you know, with Renato Nunez's case, 30 plus homers this year. So, you know, they, there's something about them that I think is is notable. We know they're all going to be up, but I just it's going to be Guzman's the only one where I'm pretty confident the playing time will be there. But he's the one where, you know, if, if I thought AJ Reed or Kenny Vargas or even Vogelbach were going to get the amount of playing time I think Guzman gets, then I then I'd say those guys could actually move the needle for you, but. You know, of these guys, Guzman has the the least amount of game ready power, so it, it's kind of a tough it's a tough position, I think, to really go out there and heavily target. So it's just these guys are all going to be up. You know who most of them are, but the playing time is going to be really tough. Moving on to second base, you wrote up Raúl Mondesi, and he's kind of been a forgotten man, kind of on the national scene because he really flopped in his audition. Fifteen games, pretty brief audition, but. Really did not fare well with the big club earlier this year. But he's been great with Omaha. 305 average, 346 on base, 542 slug. 
And he's really still, I mean, he's only 22 years old, still players in the midst of his development, really good at, at shortstop. Do you see, I don't, you know, he's not going to supplant Whit Merrifield, but do you think Alcides Escobar loses a significant amount of playing time to Mondesi down the stretch? I think it's possible. And, you know, of all the players I profile in this article, I think Mondesi is the one that you need to take the most you know, definitely take a second look at what he's doing this year because I, I think his stock right now for dynasty leagues and just for 2018 is way up based on what he's done at AAA. I don't think anyone really, really saw this much power coming from him this early on as a 22 year old. Now, obviously the PCL has something to do with that, but still, I mean, he, he's hitting some no doubters. He's hitting some the other way. It, it's, it's legit double digit homer power i think at the next level over a full season now that might not be right away in 2018 there might still be more growing pains but we know that he's going to contribute in steals if he's playing every day we're not really sure about what we're going to get in batting average or power right away but that speed is so tough to find uh you know his and his glove too uh, that's that's the thing i mean Mondesi's really maybe one of the two or three guys in all of professional baseball who i would pay to watch play defense i mean he's just so special defensively that i think ned yost is probably gonna have an itch to get that glove out there whether it be via you know defensive replacements or just starting him over alcides escobar once or twice a week then if he you know if he gets hot if he gives that team a little bit of a spark maybe he turns that into a bit more playing time so of all the guys we've talked about so far, I think Mondesi's speed and defensive utility makes him a guy to go out there and target and just kind of roll the dice on. Maybe he gets enough, uh, enough at bats to really let that speed play. I don't imagine you're as optimistic about Ryan Schimpf. You do note here that, you know, if you can withstand the batting average hit over 60 to 80 plate appearances, the, the power could help you. But, man, the, the rise and fall of Ryan Schimpf was really swift. He's batting just two twenty four at AAA. But say he does get 80 at-bats, I mean, what kind of power? I mean, we've seen at the major league level, but I mean, you know, he could, that, it's all about playing time. And is he going to play enough to hit maybe 10 homers? Yeah, I, I just don't – I don't know. I mean, if you – that's the thing. This is the time of year where the only thing that matters is where you're at in each in each roto category. And if you're – in a position where you're maybe last in batting average and you and you just can't really make up any ground there maybe you're second to last third to last whatever it is but there's but you're really bunched up in home runs and you think you could really make a run with with a big september in that category then maybe Schimpf makes some sense i mean if he if he gets 75 80 at bats he could easily hit five home runs in september so that's that's where he becomes useful Obviously, if if batting average is important to you this time of year, then you have to look elsewhere because he's just never going to be a guy that hits much more than 220. Third base, you wrote up Heimer Candelario, of course, with the Tigers now, and they're seemingly opening up a spot for him by moving Nick Castellanos to right field. Is Candelario just a guy, though? I mean, we've kind of we've kind of got that set sentiment when talking about him in the past, but you see him coming up and maybe having some success or is this going to be a, a learning curve for him? You know, I, I have him ranked the highest at third base just in this article because I think the playing time is, is going to be there. Whereas these other guys probably won't be, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't see any one tool that jumps out like power batting average. I don't see where he's going to really make enough of an impact to be all that useful unless he's hitting in the top you know, two thirds of that order. Maybe he can just kind of compile enough counting stats over a month's worth of at bats to be useful in deeper leagues. But yeah, he, he, I think you said it perfectly. He might just kind of be a guy and maybe he's a guy that eventually hits like 265 with 18 home runs. And then, then he's got some use in, in deeper leagues and, and AL only leagues, but over, a, over a month, you, you're looking for guys with standout, tools whether maybe just one tool like we talked about with Shimp's, Shimp's power or Mondesi's speed Candelario doesn't really have that yeah I will warn too if you're in like a shallower league and he's not picked up right away and you know you get a week into September or whatever and you're you're scouring through some stuff beware of those hard hit numbers coming out of Detroit 
I got my tinfoil hat on, but no, it's seriously. I mean, even Eno Saris, Paul Spore of Fangraphs really noting that the, the tech there is hot. It's hot. It needs to be recalibrated. That's why you still see V-Mart like in the top 30. It's a joke. On the road, he's like 140 out of 170 qualified hitters, but uh, I'll just throw that out there because it's interesting. Also, we got the Reds on on, on the TV here. My Reds blowing a nine-run lead, mm-hmm. trying to blow a a two, uh, two more run lead here but Phil Irvin at the play right now chance at a cycle really an impressive game of course got the call so not included in this list but any sort of change to your evaluation or long-term thought process with Phil Irvin no I mean he's he's definitely just a guy I mean I guess I guess you could say that he at least does have tools he he can run a little bit he's got a little yeah, bit of power uh, but to me he's at best, he's a short side of the platoon outfielder whose defensive versatility makes him makes him useful. But Drew Walk, I, hmm. man, how about that? What, what a stud! I was kind of I'm kind of hoping. <laughs> sounds terrible because I don't want anybody to really lose their job. But uh, I kind of hope the Reds. Part of me hopes the Reds blows the uh, blow this lead. So maybe Brian Price <laughs> on his, on the way. You out. think that that could that could uh, this has been seal, a joke as management of the bullpen in this game. Um, it's been real bad. And I just think it's time to usher in the Barry Larkin era in Cincinnati. <laughs> Come on. All right. All right. Getting back to the third <laughs> All right. Uh, Miguel Andahar. I can't say we didn't talk Reds on this. Yeah. Part. I don't want to hear any of that. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> uh, did you even spotlight any Reds? I don't think you did. So I, I had to I, get no, some I Reds. I did. In here. I did. Oh, okay. I did. I did. Right. Just one guy. All right. Well, back to third base. Miguel Andahar, the Yankees. I like the contact, and he's showing some emerging power more than past years uh, this season. Got 14 already after maxing out at, at 12 in past years. With the Yankees, though, they just don't have the ability and they don't have spot, a spot for him necessarily. I guess he could play some first base, but I just think Chase Headley is probably the guy there for most of the, the time. Do you see Miguel Endahar probably just serving primarily off the bench? Yeah, I mean, this is more kind of a, you know, there there are leagues out there like our, our staff leagues where you can you can only add prospects when they're up in the big leagues if you, if they weren't drafted in the preseason. Andohar, definitely a guy that should be rostered in leagues where 200 prospects are owned. So, you know, when he gets called up, that's that's your opportunity to do that if you didn't do it earlier in the year when he was up. Maybe he gets a s- couple starts one week and, you know, goes three for four and hits a homer or two and can parlay that into to a bit more playing time. And then all of a sudden he becomes useful, but yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for him to get enough playing time to really matter. Also at third base and last on the list here, Jerickson Profar, man, you, you have the word here that really kind of sums up where he stands in the, at least the fantasy realm. Uh, sad. You know, that's the, the word that stands out in that first sentence. And it is sad, the fall. I was optimistic last year they would come up, but it was just really, he hit for a decent average initially, but it was very empty. And eventually that, that fell off too. So still some real life here, value here with Profar, I'd imagine. But is there any salvaging him as a fantasy asset? He just needs a, a place to play and it has to be a place up the middle. Like, his bat's not going to profile at third base. It's not going to profile in left field. And I don't know when he gets to play shortstop or second base anytime soon for the Rangers. So it's one of those things where it's like, just trade him already. Like trade him. Damn it. Like we're like, what are you, what's, what's the point? Like you're, you're never going to, I mean, I guess if Elvis Andrews were to suffer an injury and you were in the hunt, it's a nice luxury to have a guy like profile that you can just plug in there and not take a super huge hit, I guess. But, uh, you got to imagine there's still some teams out there that would, that would pay quite a bit for, for profile, even if it's just like a, a really nice, you know, eighth inning arm or, or something like that. I mean, it, we just, we need him to get traded in order for him to become relevant from a fantasy perspective. Cause he just, he needs to be playing shortstop or second base. So you do have some hope though, that if he does have a change of scenery, that the bat could play like reasonably well in the I'm middle. Think, I'm thinking like mid to low end middle infielder, okay. like in a, in a 15 team league, I think that he, 
if he was playing every day somewhere, I think that he would be startable as a middle infielder. Yeah, I mean, for a guy who was considered by most the top prospect in baseball, it is a pretty dramatic fall in recent years. Of course, that shoulder issue cost him, like, what, two years of his development time, so that hurts, but I'm pulling for him. I'm hoping I think, for the best. I think that, you know, I, I, we never had him. I, I never had him as the top fantasy prospect back then. Uh, I had Oscar Tavares, rest in peace, as as that guy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's definitely a lesson with Profar not to get too hyped on a guy that doesn't have a plus offensive tool. Like, he was never going to be a plus runner. Um, you know, maybe there were people that thought he might have plus power, but I I think most people thought that it was going to be more kind of 20 homer pop for for Profar and when you don't have that standout tool you know if you're not hitting for a high average for whatever reason then it's just impossible for you to really contribute so you know all the guys that we have ranked high on the 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 prospect the top 400 prospect list now you know I think everyone we have in the top 10 has at least one plus offensive tool so that's that's something you definitely got to look for and and I think that's you know, we didn't have Dansby Swanson as a top 10 prospect coming into the year. A lot of other places did. And, and he's kind of very similar to Jerickson Profar. Just doesn't have that standout tool where you have a, a high floor if, if something else in the package doesn't click. I want to mention just again that these guys that we're going through right now, these are 40-man guys. We'll get to some non-40-man call-ups, potential call-ups here in a bit. But Franklin Barreto at short, we saw him make his debut earlier. Another guy where it's just not a clear path right now, but do you think on this team they, they find him maybe, I don't know, kind of like how you said with Schimpf, maybe 60 to 70 at-bats over the final month? They might. I, I don't really see it. I think that you look at Jed Lowry and, and Marcus Semien as guys that have, have kind of earned earned to play almost every day down the stretch. I know this isn't a team that's contending, so that might not be what their their fans want to see, but... I think it's awfully hard to bench guys like that for a guy who probably doesn't deserve to be playing like Barreto. This is just going to be kind of a month. I think where he gets to be up with the big leaguers, see what it's like, you know, you know, be with all those guys day in, day out. Uh, And then he'll be up there for most of next year. But I I just don't see how you can justify playing him consistently over, over either of those guys without, without an injury. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. I was talking with Justin Mason on the Friends with Fantasy Benefits pod recently, and you were talking a little bit, a bit about Semyon, and, and I've never been a huge believer, but he has really impressed when on the field over the past couple seasons. And, you know, he's pre-arb, but I thought maybe with Dustin Fowler coming aboard and Beretto waiting in the wings that maybe they'd be wise to look to move Semyon in the off season, But say Simeon does stay I mean how do they juggle all those pieces they just keep Fowler down for most next year uh yeah I mean Dustin Fowler I I think you don't see him until midsummer Jorge Mateo I don't think you see him until maybe next September so I think it's one of those things where something will it'll, it'll work itself out uh you know this this can't this really can't be viewed as a successful 2017 for Barreto. I know he's only 21, um, but it's not like he's banging down the door and, and, you know, earning a look. He had been really, really good at every other level before this year. He goes to the hitter friendly PCL and he really struggles. So I, I think that you could definitely justify keeping him down there for a couple months next year, maybe, maybe even three or four months if he doesn't get on track. I mean, we, we were talking about, a guy like uh, J.P. Crawford this time last year where, you know, he'd go back to AAA, he'd rake, and then he'd, then he'd be up, and they'd find a way to, to make room for him with Freddie Galvis, Cesar Hernandez. He didn't do that, so he stayed down all year. I mean, that, that could honestly happen with, with Barreto. I mean, he's going to have to go back to AAA and earn a spot. You know, I was going to wait to to bring up J.P. Crawford just because you did mention him later in the article and talking about non-40-man guys, but just while we're on the topic, I mean, slow start, but, man, the power he showed in July was pretty crazy. Went on a hell of a run. Are you more optimistic about the power long-term after that display? Uh, I just think we're back to kind of where we were before the season where I, I could see him being a 15-20 to 20 homer guy and – because yeah, there was like no power to start the year. Yeah, I think that there was there were some concerns definitely in 
May and June about what what exactly a good fantasy year from J.P. Crawford was going to look like. Now I think we're just we've we've kind of hit the reset button. I mean, it, it sucks that he kind of wasted a few months there and when he was when is in that massive slump. But I think we're just we're kind of back to square one with him. And I, I haven't had a chance to go in there and and move him up uh, the rankings. He, he probably should be a little bit higher than I have him right now, but still not a guy that's going to, I mean, he batting average is going to have to be his top fantasy tool for him to be uh, a top 15 fantasy shortstop. It's not going to be because he's hitting for power. It's not going to be because he's stealing bases. He's going to have to be hitting close to 300. If, if you want to get a, a starting shortstop out of him. Well, in his case, back to square one is a good thing considering how he started, but Willie Adames also mentioned here, now, Brad Miller has been pretty terrible, so I would think Adames gets some opportunity, but this team is competitive. Do you think they'd be comfortable you know, making kind of a gradual switch there at second base? You know, they, it's not even a lock that he gets up this year because then you, you start the clock on him and you uh, potentially give up a year of control, and obviously the Rays are very cost-conscious. He is on the 40-man, so... And and they are contending. So to me, I I don't think he's an Acuna level type of real life prospect where the idea of losing that year of control is just so unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think if if they if their internal scouting suggests that he offers them an upgrade over Brad Miller, and and I think you could maybe make a case that that how could he not? Uh, then I think he probably deserves to gradually start to play four or five days a week and you know he hasn't he's not even close to a finished product the the power that we're going to see from him five years from now isn't anywhere near what we're seeing from him right now so maybe from a fantasy perspective he's not all that exciting over over the span of his first month in the big leagues but I just really want to see him against big league pitching I want to see some stat cast data on him because he's he's extremely strong uh, just forearms, wrists, uh, biceps. I mean, he's a, he's a beast. So I, I, I want to see him up, but it's not a lot. In the outfield, Stephen Piscotti, Jorge Soler, Ramel Tapia, three pretty obvious call-ups with these guys. And Pis- Piscotti, man, that's been another pretty dramatic fall for him after last year. I have him on like a $3 deal in, in staff one. I'm probably just going to, well, as things stand now, cut him loose. But are you looking at Piscotti and looking at what he's done since the demotion and maybe somewhat optimistic that he finishes strong? I just hope that they can find every day at bats for him. I mean, it, I mean, who knows with Mike Matheny if he'll be able to figure anything out, but uh, they have Tommy Pham deserves to play every day. Uh, they have Dexter Fowler, who they're paying to play every day. Probably, I don't know. If, I mean, who, who do you think is better big league outfielder right now Dexter Fowler or Steven Piscotti I don't know it's it's kind of debatable I guess Randall Gritchick oh. I'm, I'm not really a believer Fowler's on base skills yeah that's oh. true um I mean I, I don't know it's I think Piscotti has to play over some combination of those guys I just I, I don't think so I don't know we'll see it's been pretty crazy how well I mean fam has been doing Gritchick's been doing since his return uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I, th- I think they should, but I don't think it's a lock that Scotty plays even really close to every day. But I, I think what he showed last year, he, he certainly deserves another look, but it may not come over the remainder of this season. But Jordan Luplo also mentioned here, Tyler Naquin's kind of interesting. You know, he has had a, a good a good line at AAA, but interesting more so because of the struggles of Bradley Zimmer and the possibility of, of playing time opening up. Zimmer's O for August continued today. I think he reached like 33 straight at bats without a hit. Do you think they make this switch to Naquin? I don't know. I that that's a front office that really values you know all around players. They really value defense. Uh, Naquin's a really bad defender. Zimmer's a really good defender. So I don't know how confident they are in Naquin's bat making up that difference. Obviously, I think Zimmer is going to snap out of it eventually. He'll be up, and so 
Francona is going to see him as an option if he if his if he's not liking what he's seeing out of his offense. I mean, Naquin's a guy that I think he he he's at least a league average hitter against righties, which might represent an upgrade over a couple guys in that outfield. So, I think he definitely gets some playing time, which is why I have him ranked ahead of some of these other guys who are more uh, only hit lefty types. So those guys that you were referring to, Brett Phillips, Mark Zagunas, Teoscar Hernandez, Franchi Cordero, Tony Kemp, any, any thoughts in passing before we move on? No, not really. I mean, I, I, you know, I love Tony Kemp as a, I just think he's a really cool player. I wish that he played for a different team where he could play second base instead he's kind of pigeonholed into this fourth or fifth outfielder role. But yeah, I, I don't see any of those guys really doing much from a fantasy perspective. Moving on to starting pitcher, Tyler Glass now, and you say here that of the pitchers mentioned in this entire piece, again, 4,500 words, a lot of other pitchers that you mentioned in the, the lower half of this article, the non-40-man part, but you say that Glass now should be the most widely owned despite his struggles at the major league level this year. What are you expecting down the stretch? He's just a really high, well, not really. He's a high-risk, really high-reward option over the span of a month like he could get four starts five starts and get you 30 strikeouts and that's just that's really tough to find on the waiver wire Mm -hmm. and over the span of a month maybe your ratios are solid enough and you're you're, you've got enough of a gap between you and the next guy that you could even take a hit there and and just go after his strikeouts and go after the potential wins so he's really done everything in his power at triple a this year to kind of change the narrative on him and i just think it's definitely way too early to to write him off so if he's if he's available out there and i know he's not available in any of my leagues so he's probably not available in, a, in many of your leagues either uh, but if he's out there he should be owned they have a couple guys at the back of that rotation who i think he would be at least it'd be worth the pirates taking a look and, and seeing what he's got this time around so we're already pushing up on the 35-minute uh, marker here on the podcast, and we still got the hip-hop portion to come, so I don't want to you know, go on too long here, but Luke Weaver, Brock Stewart, Lucas Giolito, Domingo Germain, uh, Buck Your Farmer. Boy. What's that? Your boy, Buck Farmer. Oh, God, yeah, Buck Farmer. <laughs> Man, what a joke. <laughs> At least I haven't had Starling Marte in my lineup. He's been terrible. <laughs> Um, but still not not trying to justify the move. <laughs> terrible, terrible move. I, I think I may have gotten like Jacob Faria with that open after I dropped Buck uh, Farmer. Yeah, so how about that? <laughs> how about that? But it, so, you, so really it was a good move. <laughs> so really it was a good move. Pat myself on the back. I'm a big blowhard. Um, but I'm just wondering, you know, Luke, we, these are in order of your, your preference here, but where are like the gaps? Like is there a big drop up? drop off from Luke Weaver to Brock Stewart or maybe from Stewart to Lucas Giolito? Uh, I think there's a gap between Weaver and Stewart and another gap between there's a gap between Weaver and Stewart, a gap between Stewart and Giolito and then a gap between Giolito and the rest of the guys, you know, I think Giolito, it just doesn't make any sense to not put him in the rotation for this final month when you have Derek Holland in there being terrible. So I think he gets starts. I am not confident at all in him having success, although he should be able to miss a decent amount of bats. So you should be able to get quantity there, even if it's not quality. Uh, Weaver, I love if he's starting, and I think that with the expanded rosters, it gives the Cardinals some freedom there. If, if they are willing to, to give him, you know, two or three spot starts in September to kind of give uh, the other guys in that rotation a bit of a rest. Then Weaver becomes useful in pretty much all formats. And Stewart, I think, is useful in, in 15-team leagues uh, if, if the same thing happens, if the Dodgers use him to kind of give guys like Rich Hill, Alex Wood, a, a bit of a rest in advance of the postseason, just given how big their, their lead is on the next best team in the National League. So those two guys I would have... Uh, no concerns about running out there from a ratio perspective if they're getting starts. Whereas Giolito, I think the quantity will be there. I don't think the quality will be there. The rest of the guys, it's it's neither might be there. So that's yeah. that's where the gaps are. So moving on to the non forty man guys here, Brent Honeywell. I'll, I'm seriously getting the feeling that we're not going to see him at all this year. I've been stashing him in stake league forever. 
numbers certainly suggest he's deserving of a look, but uh, there's just, well, for one, not an opening. They have some scrub, some geek working his way back from injury. I forget <laughs> who it is. Uh, oh, Matt something. Andres. Yeah, Andres. I couldn't remember that. Geek. He's Definite a geek. geek. He's, he's a big geek. But, I mean, Austin Pruitt, also a geek. But Brent Honeywell, look, I'm not going to cut him because, look, I've already invested, what, three months of my life into this rostering this guy. But am I going to be sorely, sorely disappointed when it's all said and done? I think he might come up as a multi-inning reliever. And nice. I think that that's... Just looking at his innings totals, looking at like like you said the uh, lack of a, a gaping hole in the rotation, and just kind of as a developmental tactic, you know, kind of get him his first taste of of the big leagues in in a shorter shorter type of stint where he doesn't have to turn over a lineup. I think that makes some sense. I think he could be absolutely dominant in that role and really really pump up the hype for him heading into 2018 so that that'd be my bet also like you said he do, he doesn't have to be added to the 40-man roster till the offseason so they're by no means obligated to to bring him up in september so that's an option he could still get a get a couple spot starts in september that's an option too i mean a lot, lot of different ways this could go but my bet would be on a multi-inning role yeah we've seen josh Hader really thrive in that kind of role and he's been extremely valuable to the club in that role so i could see that being the case with with honeywell he he literally looks excellent though i'd, ho- I'd hope so, to get some starts but even if not i'd be happy to deploy him in an active spot in a league that deep 17 teams but steven gonsalves we talked about him kind of in passing earlier and they i know the twins have a double header coming up so maybe he gets a call before September even rolls around, but I know you weren't all that high on him coming into the year, despite some really stellar numbers. Is it really just the lack of kind of premier overpowering stuff? He, yeah, uh, pitching prospects like Gonsalves, where there is a plus secondary pitch, the fastball is not plus, and the minor league production is there. They're like one of my bugaboos in terms, I, I'm just, I really struggle to rank those guys because you don't want to be a sucker and buy into the numbers when the guy's throwing 92. Uh, but you also, I mean, he's, he's a lefty with a plus changeup. I mean, that's, that's always nice, but I mean, we've seen guys like that, like a, like a Marco Gonzalez, uh, just kind of end up being number five starter type. So it's just, I, I find myself, maybe under ranking him as a measure of making sure I don't get burned by him. And then if, if he ends up being a number three starter, then that's fine. I'll, I'll wear it, but uh tough guy to rank. I think he's still worth adding though in, in deeper leagues because I, I think there's a, there's a chance he gets starts down the stretch and, you know, he, he's a deceptive guy, so it's possible that he goes on like a five or six start run. And I mean, look, Amir Garrett went on a nice run to start the year that you can have, you can extract value from a guy who, who maybe isn't all that great just before the league kind of adjusts to him. So I think, I think Gonzalez is worth an ad, worth a speculatory ad if, if you're desperate for starting pitching. Uh, Tyler Mail, he was the, the token red that yep, you were talking to here. We talked about him last week, so if you missed that, Go back and check it out. Not really much to add right now. But Austin Meadows, man, I was thinking earlier in the year he could get a look after that Starling Marte suspension. Now it's looking like he might not come up at all. Is he kind of just a guy, too? Because not really like standout power, no standout speed. But do you believe in the hit tool enough to think that Meadows is still kind of a, a top fantasy prospect? Well, I don't know how you define top fantasy prospect, but I moved him down to 45 on the top 400. So, okay. well, I was thinking like top 50 or so still. And you know, he, he has, he has the two like power speed hit. He still, he still has those tools in there. Uh, I think a big concern and the, I'm not the first person to point this out, but a big concern to me is just the, fact that he hasn't even gotten to the big leagues yet and he's already missed significant time in three different seasons with hamstring issues so you know you don't want a young player to have 
chronic issues like that. We, we see it with guys like Braun and Cespedes, but you know that when those guys are out there, they're going to put up monster numbers. With a, with a guy like Meadows, you really need him to get kind of, to really string together 60, 70, 80 games in a row and, and really get into a, into a, a groove. And he, he can't do that if he's not out on the field. So to me, that's a, that's a concern that knocks him down just as much as his, his poor performance on the field this year. Some other non 40 men candidates, Chance Adams, who I know you like Wilmer Font, uh, Rogelio Armenteros, Willie Calhoun, Alex Verdugo, Walker Bueller. I'd imagine, well, since you listed him, Chance Adams, Listen him first. Chance Adams is the guy you'd most expect to get the call here. But other than that, you know, if you're if you're speculating on these other guys, who'd you rather roster in say a fifteen team league? You know, I don't think anyone other than Adams in this group is rosterable right now. I think if we hear Wilmer Fonts coming up for a spot start, if we hear uh, Armenteros for the Astros is is coming up for to to take a turn or two in that rotation, then all of a sudden. I'm willing to throw some some fab dollars their way, particularly with Font because he's missing a he, he's leading the minors in, in strikeouts this year. He would be pitching for a Dodgers team that seems to win every time out. So there's you, you can look at that and be like, wow, I can get strikeouts and I I can maybe get a win out of him. So obviously I'd, I'd be all about that. Armenteros, he's got he he's kind of like a Gonsalves type where. The, the numbers in the minor leagues are outstanding, but he's, he's probably more of a number four starter. Just doesn't have the, the velocity and the, the, the monster, you know, three-pitch mix that, that really makes me think he's a, he's a mid-rotation guy. But, I mean, the Astros, are, they win a lot of games too. So if he were to get a spot start, I'd, I'd go get him as well. But I'd, I'd prefer Font over Armenteros. I don't think Calhoun or Verdugo are up. It just With Calhoun, there's nothing in his favor that suggests he'd be up. He's not on the 40-man. He doesn't have to be added in the offseason, and the Rangers aren't competitive. That almost never translates to a promotion in September. Verdugo, they are competitive, but is it really worth losing a year of control over him when you probably can't even justify giving him more than one or two starts a week, and he might not even be an upgrade over anyone on, on your big league roster? Well... Great stuff, James. We appreciate the insight and you just taking the time to build this list and lay out all the key points. Again, 4,500 words free on the site. Check it out. James's latest Farm Futures piece. So you're here doing overtime, James. It got you past your departure time. I apologize about that. But we got to talk about our hip-hop number sixes, I think it is. Yeah, number six. For me, it's... Outcast Stanconia. Oh, nice. I know a lot of people would probably put a Quemini ahead of it, and I could see it. You know, you can't <laughs> you can't make a strong argument against that. But Stanconia was, you know, coming into my formative years. Just a great album. I love that album. Really top to bottom, everything's great. Maybe you could point to, you know, maybe some overly commercial songs, some some songs where <clears throat> they're they're good, but they maybe don't hold up a, as well. Maybe not classic Outcast, but for me, top to bottom, that's my favorite Outcast album. So, Stanconia for me. What do you got, James? Man, that's a that's a classic. Uh, I love ton that. of ton of props for for including that one. Um, mine is Dr. Dre's Chronic Two Thousand One. Nice. Uh, it didn't make my list as much as I love that album. I just couldn't include it. So. I mean, it's it's easy to make a case against it being on. I think it's easy to make a case for it being on. To me, it's like the it's the ultimate summer album. Like when when the weather starts to heat up here in Wisconsin, I like to to pump some two thousand one with the windows down in the car. I mean, it's just every every beat, every track just kind of makes me think of summer. Um, I mean, the the beats are obviously just the the top. The, the top billing on this album is the production. It's, it's just, you know, um, some of the, some of the best beats in the, in the history of, of music are on the 2001 album. Uh, you don't have, it, it's, it's a, it's a rare album to be in my top 10 in that the, the title or the, the artist, Dr. Dre, I mean, he's not even on like some of my favorite tracks on the album, you know, like, <laughs> Uh, Ackright, I think is probably my favorite track on the album. And that's just Hitman out there spitting some hilarious rhymes. 
And you like Hitman. He's on a lot of these tracks. Yeah, a lot, of, of, lot of Hitman. Uh, got some <clears throat> my guy on a track, which I can't name, say the title of, but my guy Devin oh, yeah. on a classic track. Devin, classic track. Uh, you know, a couple real, you know, really, really nice uh Nate Dog feature on yeah, an explosive, um, you know some, you know everyone knows this album. Obviously, I don't have to don't have to break it down too hard. But if you don't know Stankonia, I mean, absolutely get familiar. Yeah, I mean everyone should. Well, everyone will know at least three songs off of both of these albums. Yeah, Miss Jack, so um, bombs over Baghdad. Right. So yeah, I mean. To me, what what this album lacks in just outstanding lyricism, which I think it does lack that, uh, especially when when it's not corrupt, uh, it's not Nate Dogg, it's not you know some some. I mean, like I said, I love Hitman's lyrics and Akron. I mean, they're not. It's not going to be mistaken for Rakim or, or Prime Nas or anything like that. But uh, th- there's not a ton of great lyrics on this this album. But I mean, the production is just so out of this world. And the songs hold up so well that that that's why it's on my top ten. Just want to say too that my my alternate number ten, you know, I had the zero album number ten. Decided my alternate number ten is um, East nineteen ninety nine Eternal. Nice, yeah, just for the record. <laughs> I know a lot of you out there keeping keeping track. <laughs> well, appreciate it, James. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So now num- we only five more to go. Yep. Five and this is to me. To there's kind of a tier, like after 2001 for me, that my my top five. I there's no there's no way around those being my yeah, my top same, five. Same. Um, those were kind of all locked in. It's it's just elite <sighs> elite elite albums coming on the next five prospect podcasts. Absolutely. Well, tune back in for those guys. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.